Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hi, this is Jim White, and thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. On today's episode, myself and Simon speak to TalkSport's chief football correspondent, Alex Crook, about Jesse March being in line to become the next Southampton manager. And we reflect on an independent report which has determined that UEFA are primarily responsible for the chaos at last year's Champions League final. Alex Crook, the top man here at TalkSports, TalkSports chief football correspondent, joins us live. And I think there's a bit of a link here with these two clubs in terms, Alex, of who is now in pole position to get Southampton. Go for it. Yeah, there certainly is. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Simon. We spoke yesterday about Southampton's interest in Jesse Marsh. My understanding, we broke this story on TalkSport last night, was that Jesse Marsh held positive talks with the Southampton hierarchy yesterday about becoming their new manager. Looks like uh, that deal is edging closer. And it's really interesting, if you look at the fixtures, Southampton want their new man in place in time to take on Chelsea at the weekend. They don't see that as a free hit, a game they can waste. They see that as a game where if they're organised, if they can get in the faces of Chelsea, they can get a positive result. First home game for Jesse Marsh. What about this? It would be Leeds United, his former club, at St Mary's in a couple of weeks' time. It's amazing, isn't it, how the fixture list throws up these quirks of fate. It is indeed. So, I mean, let's get Simon's take on that. I don't mean to be unkind to Jesse Marsh, but how can you be sacked by one club one minute and in the same league, the elite league, the Premier League, go, go to another who wants to appoint you? Well, I'm sure Southampton, if they're going to do it, will make a case for that. I personally can't see the case for it because I can't suggest that I don't think he's capable of managing Leeds United and then be capable of managing Southampton. I realise, and, and and Alex will attest to this as well, styles make fights. So different personalities will sit in different environments. And once upon a time in a land long forgotten, Steve Bruce went one way to Birmingham and I took Trevor Francis from Birmingham to Crystal Palace, who had recently been sacked by Birmingham. So I can't sit there with this holier-than-thou attitude. What I can do is sit there having seen how badly that worked out for me and look at the reality of this situation and saying, I, I don't think he's got the chops. Um, I, I don't know whether this is a board appointment or whether it's an owner appointment, if indeed it is going to happen. I mean, I think we're quite solid on this and so is the perception of it. I'm so, I, don't think he's, I don't think he's a good enough manager. I think he's all style over substance and I don't think the style is that great and I think the substance is lacking. So what do, what do they see that we don't? 
Well, you were an owner, Simon. Well, you you know the game inside out. Wait, but one man's meat is another man's poison, isn't it? You know, beauty, again, another little platitude. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. But when yeah, someone imagine if he keeps Southampton up and Leeds go down. But I look at it and say there's an embarrassment of of no, it's not an embarrassment. Which is the exact opposite of that. There's not an embarrassment of riches. There's a there's an absolute dearth of top quality managers around that look like they can manage in the Premier League. And so you look at it and go, like I said yesterday, it's the best of a bad bunch. Now, the, the circumstances around this one are energising for Jesse March because there'll be no greater motivation to prove his ability than going out of a side that booted him out and, and relegating that side. He'll say that's not the case because he loves Leeds United and would be wonderful for the opportunity. But how much satisfaction would he get if he were to put Southampton out of the relegation zone and Leeds United back into it? Well, that's it? right. Alex, you know or the South it. Coast, you know Southampton, you know the club. I mean, how will the supporters greet this news, do you think? I'm trying to second-guess them. Um, they seem to be more positive about this appointment than Nathan Jones. I've got to correct myself. Uh, that game against Leeds isn't at St Mary's. It's at Ellen Road. So not only is Jesse Marsh potentially taking on his old club Leeds, he's going back to Ellen Road in his second game in charge, assuming this deal does get over the line. As I say, positive talks were held yesterday. Um, Southampton fans seem happy. They see Jesse Marsh, I think, as somebody who was in the Ralph Hasenhutl mould. He was at the Red Bull group. Um, as was Ralph Hasenhutl. What was interesting when Southampton appointed Nathan Jones, they went away from the playbook that Ralph Hasenhutl, you may remember during COVID, uh, with Martin Simmons, the chief executive, who I know Simon knows well. They put this playbook together, the way the first team should play, the way the academy players uh, and academy teams should play. They went away from that with Nathan Jones. I think if Jesse Marsh comes on board, mm. they will be going back to that playbook. And I think that's a very, very, very good point, Alex, and I think that may well be at the cornerstone of it. But all of that to one side, does that subsequently keep Southampton in the division? I think it's a difficult ask anyway, Simon. They're four yeah. points adrift of safety. Um, you look at the record under Nathan Jones, seven defeats and eight Premier League games. If you're making a case for Southampton to stay up, and I would love to do that because I think they did do some good business in January, I think it's a better group of players um, than the tune that Nathan Jones was getting out of them. But who goes down? You know, Bournemouth looked bang in trouble, but actually they played well against Newcastle at the weekend. Everton were poor last night uh, against Liverpool and the Merseyside derby on Talk Sport. But I think at home, they might get enough points under Sean Dyche to get themselves out of trouble. Yeah. Leeds are in trouble. Yeah. Apart from that, I'm, I can't see West Ham going down. I well, don't I, see Leicester going down. Alex, here's the deal. Uh, since you brought us that news a moment that a moment ago that Marsh is in pole position to take over Southampton, messages flying in. If, you, if you're a Southampton fan, you want to send us a message, incidentally, please do 81089. If you're a Leeds fan, what do you think Southampton will be getting in the manager that your club sacked in the last few days? Give us a call on it, 03717 Alex, here's one. Mike, if... Uh, Rasmus Ankerson appoints Jesse Marsh, then I'm done. I'm done after 50 years of supporting Southampton. 50 wow. years. He says, and these are Mike's words, not mine, we're run by clowns. Ankerson is the one who needs sacking. So that's just one. And I'm looking at the messages coming in. And the, the theme of them, Alex, is how can Marsh be sacked by Leeds one minute and strolling in St Mary's the next? I get that. But I guess it's also a reflection of the dearth of quality candidates. I know when Southampton were drawing up a shortlist at the weekend, there wasn't there wasn't a queue. You look at the, the situation that Leeds have had, and maybe we'll come on to that. They've been turned down by at least three targets. I think the number actually is is much more than that. 
Rasmus Ankerson was behind the appointment of Nathan Jones. I think this is more of a, a unified decision because Jesse Marsh has been on Southampton's radar for a long time before Sport Republic took over the club. So I don't necessarily think this is Rasmus Ankerson's decision alone. Nathan Jones was, and of course that didn't work out at all well. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Wow, what a reaction this morning. So many Southampton fans getting in touch with us. Off the back of the news that Top Sports Chief Football Correspondent Alex Crook brought us a short time ago, that Jesse Marsh very much has impressed uh, the powers that be at Southampton. Jesse Marsh sacked by Leeds United in the last few days, but now seems uh, seems on his way to take over from this sack, Nathan Jones at Southampton. So Marsh swapping one Premier League club for another in a matter of days. Uh, 03717 Southampton fans getting in touch. Todd, I'm coming your way. John, I'm coming your way in a second as well. Simon, elaborate briefly on it for me. What do you second guess to be Southampton's thinking here? I think Alex has hit some of it on the head in his little insertion about the RB, the Red Bull setup, and the familiarity with it. And I think Southampton is a Red Bull setup in terms of Hassan Hootl's uh, influence over the football club and the style they've gone in. And with a new owner wanting to patronise that, I would suspect some of the thinking is, is deployed that way. I would imagine that judging by the personality that Jesse Marsh has, and you've seen him in his interviews, and it's not a personality I particularly buy into, his up and atom rhetoric, you know, the Al Pacino sort of any given Sunday narrative that he was pumping out for us to listen to via whatever broadcaster would, would, would play it, mm. sort of plays into the idea of great enthusiasm and passion and determination. And it might then interview well on the basis of, you know, I'm not... I'm not what you think I am, and I'm also determined to prove what happened at Leeds was completely and utterly wrong. I get the impression, and I'm no Leeds fans aren't going to like this, that it's a bit of a a bit of a, a, a dog's dinner over at Leeds behind the scenes in terms of who's doing what, when, how, and why. You know, you've got an owner exiting the door with potential sales of players that possibly the new coming owners don't want him to sell, and so on and so forth. So I think there's a lot of left hand and right hand stuff going on over there. Yeah, um, and I I would. I'd be surprised. I don't think there's a list of managers, despite what we think. I think these clubs are really struggling to find a manager and find a name that can supersede names that are played in the Premier League, despite the debate. And I also think the final part of the component is, I don't think they'll give them a long contract. Mm. And I think it will give them an opportunity to hold fault, make some sense. And I think that if I'm Southampton, and I'm trying to second guess, I know them. I know the guys over there, and I'm not necessarily plugged into exactly what they're thinking but putting things together and working them backwards I would suggest that there is an element of needs must who's better what framework are we working under yeah. what sort of contract can we get away with does it make sense to us in a bigger picture despite the optic, optics of it now let's also not forget that we are sitting here hailing Sean Dyche as an all-conquering hero to save Everton and his last piece of work was ultimately to be very close to relegating Burnley and the team that was under his tutelage got relegated. Right, Albeit right. they went, they fired him before that was happening. Yeah. So there is yeah. an element of people get fired from bottom three jobs. Burnley fired Sean Dyche when they were in the bottom three or bottom four. Everton have employed him when they're in the bottom three to get them out of the hole. The only difference is Sean Dyche has a bigger body of work and Jesse Marsh is an American. But Marsh got Leeds United out of the hole. 
Last oh, time around. Oh, come on. Let's look at what went down last year. Well, I they agree. were very poor sides. No, but he kept them up. To be he fair, kept to him, he kept them up. By the very last game of the season with yeah. the Brentford side that were on the beach. Southampton fans getting in touch in big numbers uh, there's one no name in this message I'm a Southampton fan I think Marsh is the best of a bad bunch as Simon says we have to be realistic in who we can appoint we're sat bottom of the Premier League more than likely going to get relegated but at least with Marsh he's someone you can get behind unlike Jones Nathan Jones sorry if you're listening this morning Todd's a big Southampton fan Todd are you having Marsh? Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Simon. Good morning, Todd. love you both and love the show. Thank, Thank you very much for doing it. Thanks, Todd. Honestly. Thank you. Um, what, what do you think yeah, of this, then, mate? I've got, I've got, I've got some good, good and neg- negative points, right? The board, right, have backed the club massively financially over the last 12 months, 18 months, all right? So you can't say anything bad about Sports Republic with, with how much money they spend. However, some of the money has gone in the wrong direction. Loads of young players with that, any Premier League experience and not enough experience coming into the side to help Prelcy and, and, and a couple of the other experienced members. Um, however, we have to be reared. I have to shout out to all Saints supporters, all right? We are at the bottom of the Premier League, all right? Okay? We have to be realistic with who we're going to bring in, okay? Jesse March, I've watched a lot about him recently with interviews and behind the, behind the scenes. He is a motivator of people. He has got some good vision for, for, for what he's looking at doing. He comes from the same background as Ralph Hasenhutl, all right? We need to go with Marsh at the moment, all right, for the next few years and back him to the halt to try and get ourselves out of this mess, back up the Premier League or um, back up up next year out of the Championship. Oh, wow, that's, Todd. That's where I'm from. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. An independent panel has found that UEFA has, quote, primary responsibility for the failings at the Champions League final in Paris that involved Liverpool fans being tear-gassed without reason and almost led to a disaster. It's serious stuff. Where are we going with this this morning, Simon? So many questions being asked, not least... Does an inevitable apology from UEFA suffice on this occasion? Should Alexander Seferin, the man at the top of UEFA, lose his job over this? And all fingers now, fingers of blame being pointed at the French authorities in a big way this morning. Eric Biedelman, a very, very good friend of ours uh, and a top journalist for L'Equipe in France, joins us live. Eric, good morning to you. Can you give me the reaction in, in, in France this morning to the findings of this review? Uh, good morning to you. Um, it's a bit low-profile reaction when uh, I mean that it's uh, that we did try at L'Equipe to join the French government, uh, the sports minister, but mainly the police minister, and we don't have had yet any uh, any answer or any statement. I think they are very embarrassed. They will go on a, on a press release later today, but we feel ashamed. I don't speak as a journalist. I speak as a French citizen. We are ashamed when we read the the statement from the, the independent panel because even if UEFA is at the top of the of the organization, then part of the organization was given to the French Football Association, then was given to the French government, uh, the, the the French police, and all the link from the top to the bottom have failed. So, having lied. Will these individuals you've just mentioned to us, Eric, will they lose their jobs? I don't think they will lose their job because uh, we are in France. We are we have another culture. And uh, uh, I would say that uh, it's very unusual and a uh, politician makes more than uh, apologize and goes to be uh, redundant, to, to make uh, him redundant. The fact is, when they say that there was 50,000 false tickets, which 
uh, explain the problem at the entrance of the stadium. That was absolutely untrue because uh, the latest statement says it's 1,644, if I do remember it well, false ticket, which is completely different from the allegation. Then when they say that the English fans were causing the trouble, we knew and everybody knows that the problem have been caused by local thugs who before the game, during the game and after went uh, attack the Real Madrid and, and Liverpool fans. And yes. all of that have yeah. been denied for ages. But Eric... You're a well-respected journalist in, in, in France. I know that. You've just said as a French citizen, you feel ashamed. In yeah. your view, in your view, should these people lose their jobs, Eric? They bungled this disastrously. Uh, if, if, I, if I think as a normal citizen, I would say yes. If I talk as an analyst of the French culture, of the French politics, of the French media of uh, our own responsibility, we are more lenient, we are more easygoing, we are more forgiven, forgivable uh, about, about these things. And all the history of French politicians, of French power people, is not about liking the Anglo-Saxon or Scandinavian behavior or culture to assume their responsibility. Eric, I know that you know, as well as I do, tens of thousands of Liverpool fans experienced difficulties in accessing the Stade de France for yeah. the final against Real Madrid. They'd got the tickets in good faith and they were there to see their team play in the final. They were hoping their team would win the final. They're excited about a major, major match coming up for their club. And yeah. French riot police responded by using tear gas on them indiscriminately. Yeah. Surely uh, the man who gave that order should be sacked. Yeah, the man who, give, who gave that order is the police governor of Paris. And this guy has been sacked He's uh, gone. a couple He's of gone. months ago. Right. He's gone. Right. But he has not been sacked or he has been, I would say, advised to go. It was not only on this matter, but this matter was a crucial point to let him go. But, you know, I don't know to say in English this, but when you use someone in the middle of the of the rank of responsibilities to be sacked, it means that the people um, above him are under their the, under their own protection. Yes, a scapegoat. They, yes. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah, scapegoat. Yeah. They say it's, it's this guy. So this guy has been has been sacked. So now uh, the the situation is that I do believe that nothing will happen in terms of uh, people taking the responsibilities individually. Uh, Eric, just before we go, and I feel that, well, I want to thank you for joining us. I, I, I do hope you appreciate that we have to be quite uh, robust in our questioning. Uh, you are, with, you are with, too. With you, yeah. There's a message, Eric, just before I go here that's come in from one of our listeners, Dave. I mean, hundreds of messages coming into Simon and myself here. France should never hold a major European final again. What, yes. what, what's your take on that, Eric? Especially you in know, the knowledge you, that you've got yeah. the, you're the venue for the next Olympics. Yeah, I, I can say that uh, we are the venue of the next Olympics in Paris. We are the venue of the next Rugby World Cup all over France and also in Paris. So uh, we know that all the world and mainly uh, the Brits uh, will uh, be uh, watching at the way the World Cup is held, at the way the Olympics are held. And of course, we know that we are under pressure. We know also that in the past, we have had several organizations of big events, and these organizations went well, like uh, 
the Euro 2016, we can say that it was okay. So I don't, I, I don't accept the idea that forever we won't be a, a, a eligible to, to organize a Champions League final. Because if we do think so, please don't organize the World Cup of Rugby, don't organize the Olympics in Paris, and don't, don't organize anything anymore in any country which have had a problem. When in England there was the, the Hillsborough disaster, when there was uh, in, in, at the Rangers uh, 40 years ago uh, a, big, uh, a big mass uh, trauma, it doesn't mean that forever the, this organization and the yes. police is, yeah. is unforgettable. That, that doesn't make sense. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Your 100% essential download, Outspoken with White and Jordan. Simon, um, we're going to be hearing in a moment from the chairman of the Liverpool D- Disabled Supporters Association, Ted Morris. Ted was there on the night. You might recall Ted yes, joined us uh, back, back uh, then when this whole thing took place. Where are you at regards... I know, I know you've always got a thing about, what, everybody wants an apology. We always yep. want an apology. Yep. And, and you're always real against me when I put that to you. Yep. But even if we got an apology from UEFA this morning, and if the Liverpool fans were given a special apology yep. from UEFA this morning, should heads still not roll? Should Seferin, the man at the top of that organisation, not lose his job? <laughs> Uh, we, we hear that the chief of police is under pressure this morning. Well, what we've got is a systemic failure. We've got a systemic failure from UEFA through to the French Football Federation or Association onto the police. We've got a stadium that's been used since 1995 for major events, including the 99-2007 Champions League finals, the, 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 you know, the 97 World Cup in rugby, the 2006 European Championship. This is a very experienced stadium, so it makes it very disconcerting that you've got a situation where there can be such a systemic failure. You've also got misrepresentations. You've got stereotyping English fans to give it the excuse as to the reasons why people were handled in that way. You've probably got political issues in France about 
what locals look like against immigrants in tents and so on and so forth. It's all going on in the same way that we've got some of these issues in our countries. But you cannot deny that the two biggest events in football beside the World Cup in Qatar were the European Championship and the Champions League final. And both of them were presided over by UEFA. I think there's an utter failure in delegation. I think UEFA delegates and accept the response that comes back. If you, The argument that these, these, this stadium isn't fit for purpose is not there. The argument that this stadium hasn't hosted events of a similar magnitude is not there. Right, because we've seen this enormous body of work for yeah. most sports. Yes. Right? That's why they've got these tournaments. But for this individual situation, people have conspired, misrepresented, lied, been ineffective, delegated without accountability. UEFA have done this twice. Ultimately, the policing of the European Championships at Wembley and the FA and the Mayor of London were at fault for what happened at the European Championships, alongside the disgusting behaviour of the fans that were allowed to behave this way because there wasn't sufficient enough organisation and structure and policing. Yeah. And the same thing has happened here. The difference in this instance is there was a cover-up mentality designed to besmirch the victims again of something along the lines of 50,000 tickets that were produced when it wasn't true. So the first person has heard this is an overindulgence of counterfeit tickets. That sounds good. We'll say that to the media. And what's happening now is the media and the joined-up world that we live in with social media at its heart are stopping people from getting away with inadequacies because before, unless we were there with cameras, you wouldn't see this. Because you've got social media now, people are filming and evidencing things in real time. Public officials that are used to hiding behind veneers of obscure outlooks are being made accountable. You can't do it any longer. No. Can't hide behind anything any longer. Simon, in the last few moments, Liverpool Football Club says it welcomes the report into the chaos of this Champions League final in Paris, which uh, fully vindicates Liverpool fans while finding UEFA primarily responsible for organisational failings. Liverpool, as a club, says this. It is shocking that more than 30 years after the Hillsborough disaster, any club and our group of fans would be subject to such fundamental safety failings which have had such a devastating impact on so many. But even more concerning is the realisation that for families, friends and survivors of Hillsborough, Paris has only exacerbated their suffering. Ted Morris is chairman of the Liverpool Disabled Supporters Association. Ted, you joined us back then you join us again this morning. Good morning to you, Ted. Ted, do this for me. Um, can you, for just a moment or two, relive the scenes that you, you witnessed that night? Yeah, good morning, Jim. Good morning, Simon. Morning, Ted. Um, Simon's just perfectly summed the situation up there about where we're at. Well, on the day of the game, we were basically there six hours before kickoff, And I remember saying to yourself and Simon that it was just chaos as we arrived. Clearly noted in the first paragraph of the report where a senior UEFA security advisor says he informed UEFA at half three uh, that there was chaos. So it wasn't if you weren't pre-warned about this five and a half hours before kickoff. The, the outer perimeter security checks were non-existent. The police were just standing around letting locals just walk through the through the cordons. There was Liverpool supporters and Real Madrid getting the tickets stolen, pickpocketed. There was chaos at the turnstiles where there was young kids who didn't seem to have a clue what they were doing. Um, the ticket turnstiles weren't working correctly. It was absolutely chaotic. When you got into the stadium, there was no difference. The toilets had no lights on. Um, it was just it was it was just pure chaos. 
and not be fitting of a Champions League final. And something Simon says there, he's exactly right about UEFA. And it comes out clear in this report that UEFA didn't want to admit any responsibility for as being the overall organisers of this event and just thought that the local police, the organisers in charge of the stadium, could just basically do what they want with it without accountability. And then if something went wrong, you were able to say, well, that's nothing to do with us. Uh, it's just our Champions League final, which it's just abhorrent, really. I remember the time, Ted, when you joined us, you, you, you chose your words carefully, but you said, you know, this could have been a disaster, almost led to a disaster, which is precisely, Ted, precisely what the independent panel is now saying. Well, that's the thing, Jim. When we went to Senate along with Joe Bloss, we, we had a, a few things that we wanted to do. Firstly, was to call out the lies, especially from uh, Darmian, who was peddling this lies over 30,000, 40,000 fans. We were there. UEFA for saying the kickoff was delayed because of its fans arriving, arriving late, late, which was clearly untrue and false. But most of all, to stop this narrative that was starting right from the very outset that this was something along the lines of Hillsborough. And we know now within the report that this is what they planned for. Why? Because they knew it was going to fail. They had no plan in place to host this Champions League final. And and they're saying now that, well, we never had enough time to prepare. Well, why didn't UEFA delay it by a month or two months and, and we play it then? Or if that stable uh, stadium wasn't capable of hosting this event, well, why, why didn't they go somewhere else? Somewhere else? It was, it was just shocking from day one. And still to this day, Jim, I don't know how there was not a loss of life there, apart from the exemplary behaviour of Liverpool fans who were fearing something that had happened over 33 years ago, unfolding right in front of our very eyes. And it was only their behaviour that stopped that happening. If it had to be in Chelsea, Man United, quite rightly, their fans would have probably stood up to this in a different way to we did. What do you think should happen now? Well, what should happen now, especially in terms of the disabled supporters I represent, Jim, there's an old section on disabled supporters and what UEFA need to do. You went against the convention, the San Denis Convention, where there's certain things in place that are supposed to ensure the safety and security of disabled supporters, which have been acknowledged that they're just non-existent and they failed. So you have to make European football more accessible for disabled supporters. And I'm confident, as I was in confident, I was confident in Dr. Tiago that he would reach the necessary conclusions. And now we've got to make sure that these recommendations are take for, taken forward so disabled supporters can go and watch a game of football in the same way a non-disabled supporter can. It, it's not too much to ask for. Danger. Flammable exchanges ahead. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back each weekday to bring you the best of the show. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.